0: Welcome to I Am, I Have, How It Helps, brought to you by Happiful Magazine and Counselling Directory. Today we're talking to integrative counsellor Louise Allen, founder of Fern Counselling, about outdoor therapy, walking sessions and working with nature as a co-therapist. Louise's therapeutic approach is inspired by nature, life cycles and natural growth. And we talk about our relatedness to nature before we start today's episode, I really want to encourage you to download the free Happiful app. With this, you'll be able to read daily articles, access Happiful magazine in its digital format for free and search for mental health and well-being support in your area. Now, back to Louise. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and we'd really love it if you could rate and review. It helps others to find us and we read every comment you share. I'm so delighted to welcome Louise Allen to I Am, I Have, How It Helps today. We're going to be talking about the role of nature in our ongoing wellbeing practices and how Louise works with nature as a co-therapist. Welcome, Louise. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on today. And before we start, I always ask everyone, could you introduce yourself in your own words and tell us a bit about what you think we should know about you and how you started your practice? Yeah,
1: lovely. What a great question to start with. What do I think you should know about me? That's um, it's one of the questions that I ask my clients sometimes as well when we start working together, because I think I can bring up you know, so, so much opportunity. So that's probably something that you should know about me. Um, if we're going to be talking for a little while, is that I love those big open questions and I can get quite lost in them. I like exploring the possibilities of a, a big open question. Um, I was thinking about how I might describe myself and sort of found the word rambler, really resonated with me and I actually thought is it just you know what what I understand of rambling I wonder what the dictionary sort of throws up for that as well and there's lots of different definitions you know there always are one of the ones that sort of really stood out for me to start with is to ramble is to walk for pleasure in the countryside which absolutely that fits for me. But also it says it's straggling or sprawling haphazardly unplanned. And I thought that really describes me. I'm quite often exploring and kind of going wherever something takes me. So whether that's actually sort of walking outside or whether that's in a conversation, whether that's in my therapeutic work, it's very much where's this going to lead? You know, maybe with a loose direction and the sort of the purpose and the aim of being, you know, kind of, exploration and and yeah search for connection and and sort of understanding but never necessarily with a a destination in mind. I'm curious as to see where this sort of conversation will take us this morning. I'm an integrative counsellor and I have been practising for I think coming up to two years, but as a trainee sort of for a year before that. So I trained between 2016, 2019. But I think the journey sort of to where I am now is both continuing. I wouldn't say I'm qualified and know exactly where I am because it's constantly evolving and I think the journey started a long time before I did my formal training as a counsellor too so maybe we talk a little bit about that that in a bit but I I suppose I describe myself as a yeah an integrative counsellor I sort of work in the here and now with how people are experiencing life right now and where they're going it's sort of very much about joining someone on a journey which is where I think you know that inspiration from nature that I really sort of thread through my work as well sort of comes in it's about where are we at now what else is here how are you feeling in this sort of in this moment and um, where do you want to be going what's in the way it feels like it's not just about saying who I am but it's about where we are as well where I am where somebody else
0: is and you know what that kind of creates What a beautiful answer to that question and so much for us to unpack there as well. And just from my point of view, I'm really excited to talk to you today, Louise, because you're obviously a member of our counselling directory, and I came across your profile and I'm so interested about the work you do because you talk about nature being a co-therapist. That's something that really appeals to me personally, but I also know that in the last 18 months, with lockdown, and we'll come back to this later, but but we've started to develop a different relationship with nature, I think, when some of the other noise has been taken away. Can you start off by telling us about your relationship with nature and why it's so important to you?
1: Again, a really lovely question to sort of consider, um, and it's one that I've considered increasingly over the last year, because as you say, it's sort of, it's changed. You know, we've had to become a bit more connected with the seasons where we've had to be meeting outside if we're going to meet up and, you know, then daylight hours become a factor too. So I like to think of it as being kind of a relatedness rather than a relationship because it feels a bit more flexible and movable. So I can describe sort of my relatedness and how that's evolved over the years. I grew up, so as a child, we, um, we had a dog, so we were out walking quite a lot you know sort of regularly in woodlands in countryside I remember my mum would often sort of point out and identify different plants and and sort of birds as we went along and I suppose that so I absorbed some of that from a young age it was kind of we might collect moss and we might collect sticks and and acorns and things to make little habitats at home as well so there was this kind of play um, playful relationship with nature and uh, observational as well and sort of learning you know learning about things and identification and I think I have very much held on to that now that's something that's kind of grown inside me too and I guess I've come back to in some ways this sort of oh what's that I wonder you know what that tree is or what's that bird that I can hear and I think there's maybe a little bit of disconnection for some years with that and not being so interested coming back to that. And then through my teen years, nature, you know, kind of in inverted commas, became this place to escape to, I think, as I started to become more aware of injustice and exploitation and oppression in society and sort of I I suppose as we sort of as we get older into teenagehood and we're kind of becoming more independent but also kind of wanting some protection you know we're finding our own place in the world we've got this freedom to do so I really started noticing the things that just didn't feel fair that felt limiting these kind of rules and expectations and roles and sort of structures that we were supposed to follow to be a good person and I didn't necessarily have the language at the time but I remember thinking a lot and any of my my friends from those teenagers will sort of say oh yeah she just wanted to go and live in a mud hut that was that was the fantasy it was this idea of just getting away from this sort of this system that didn't feel to me at the time that it that it kind of worked was really limiting so Mm. nature also meant freedom um, away from those judgments and expectations and again I think that's evolved for me since I was a teenager I suppose as I've realized actually that I have some power some choice within sort of influencing society to get frustrated with the places where I don't and I can't make those changes I want to see but I think my longing to escape from that has lessened. you know it's kind of it's integrated a little bit more sort of that acceptance in society and trying to figure out where I can have choice and responsibility and and where those limitations are. Yeah there's this observational sort of relationship with nature there's this freedom that I see in it too Um, and I think as well more recently I've been really realizing how much more there is to learn so there's this inspiration so you know, I suppose my position in the relationship or the relatedness with nature is now very much trying to be coming from a place of not knowing of what you know what can I learn? What's where's this inspiration coming from? What can I see? What can I be inspired by in sort of other than human nature and also by our hu- you know our human nature too? because um, you know we are part of nature nature is within us it's not this separate entity over there and it's so it's always constantly evolving but there's this this sort of freedom and, and acceptance and curiosity and sort of not knowing I think that sort of forms my relationship with nature
0: and what I love about what you've just said is the way that your relatedness has evolved as you've grown as you've moved through teenage years to adulthood and the practice that you do now That relationship has evolved and changed, like the seasons, I guess, that kind of we take from nature or we relate to nature in the way that we feel we need to at that time in our lives. And what you said about not knowing and learning, I really, really relate to that. That idea of there is so much more. Before we started the podcast today, I was talking about going to the sea recently, which is one of the places that I. Always go to to clear my mind, especially when I was going through grief after losing my dad. It was one of the places that I felt particularly able to express that. And it's so interesting that you never understand fully nature and what's happening it will always happen around you there's no control there's no ability to kind of tick box I've learned this this and this it will always amaze you and that's why I think it's completely beautiful about our relatedness to nature and you talk about the fact that you work with nature as a co-therapist which is something I'm massively intrigued by and it's really interesting you won't be able to see this because you're listening but as I said that a massive sunbeam has just come through the window (laughs) and (laughs) is completely lighting up your face it's very beautiful nature's just making an appearance in our podcast so can you can you tell me a bit more about using or working with nature as a co-therapist
1: absolutely and um yeah I've noticed it now you've sort of observed that too I can feel the sun on my face I'm really fortunate I have I'm kind of in a um, an attic sort of room Um so I have this sort of this slanted window so even when I'm working on the phone or on zoom nature's here you know we don't have to be outside to have that that relationship yeah so nature as a co-therapist it's a a term coined, I think originally by a, a, a therapist, Nick Totten, who um, works in an, an embodied way and a relational way and has and sort of developed a way of working around wild therapy, which really appeals to me and appeals to this kind of, you know, this this um, longing for exploration that I have within me. I think it's kind of helpful before we think about that as well, of, of thinking about Everybody's relationship to nature is is different. As you've sort of just said, you know, that you find the sea, that there's something there that drew you in 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 your grief to kind of the sea into that space and different people have different relationships with different environments at different times. Mm. It's not necessarily a relaxing, calming place for everybody because our experiences in different parts of nature are really different. With that, I think there's this, yeah, this different relationship that we all have with nature. So of course I have this relationship with nature. Nature is is within me, my relationship with it. I am part of nature as a, you know, a kind of a being on this planet. Um, and where I work as an integrative counselor, I draw on different concepts, different ideas that inform my work. I kind of, it's almost like crafting a space. So I'm working with the, the person who's having counseling and trying things out. Is this going to work for this person? What about if we go over here? So there's something similar in that in terms of how I ramble <laughs> through the woods. And so inherently nature is there in terms of how I am in the relationship and in where I get my inspiration from. So there's that factor, you know, it would almost feel arrogant to say I'm doing this. I'm the therapist. I know what I'm doing because so much is drawn from what I see and experience around me. But also as well. So I talk specifically around my approach being nature inspired and lots of different ecotherapists and therapists working with nature describe their work in all sorts of different ways it's one of the lovely things that there's this real rich diversity and it's this kind of by nature I suppose nature therapy and ecotherapy is very diverse because nature is really diverse and complex as well so this is very much for me and my approach and so I particularly am drawn to sort of the life cycles and the systems and the webs of connectedness that I see in nature and To me, see, there's such a link with a lot of counselling and psychological theory that it just seems like a really wonderful metaphor often to be able to describe something that we're doing or to kind of approach our our sort of therapy sessions and i was trying to think of some examples because that all sounds quite vague and abstract (laughs) which counseling really can and work existentially quite a lot as well so we're working a lot in metaphor and meaning and you know and it can get quite abstract and heavy sort of in the brain so nature sort of i find quite grounding so there's this grounding aspect of nature in as a co-therapist brings us back to something solid you know so we can think about how we grow up and we think about the conditions around us as we grow up so if we grow up in an environment where we're encouraged to think about our feelings and our emotions and express them and we feel safe to do that and they're validated and encouraged as we grow up, we can feel freer to do that, you know, so the conditions we can think of perhaps as, you know, as as sunlight and, and rain and sort of nutrient-rich soil as being these kind of conditions that we grow and we can feel free to go, oh, I feel angry today or feel really sad. If those conditions are not nurturing and and supportive in that way we find we grow in different directions so if we've kind of grown up in an environment where we're told we're overreacting or we're being silly when we feel a certain way or act a certain way we learn to not grow out in that way because it doesn't feel safe to do so so I often think, well, that's, you know, that could be like a, a wall being built around a car, a garden and, you know, the sunlight can't get to the plant. So it has to grow out. It's still growing because it's trying to reach the sunlight, but it might not grow in the same way that if it had this full access to, to sunlight and always had this sort of nourishment. So there's this, yeah, there's this sort of metaphors and inspiration that we can draw on that are helpful sometimes. It's there in, in terms of in terms of that opportunity for inspiration. So I work in a way where even if we're working indoors, or we're working online, we can use those metaphors. And we're bringing nature into the relationship, you know, we're acknowledging it. And we're acknowledging the fact that it's always there for people, it's always there for me, but our experience might be very different, which of course, is part of therapy as well. You know, we're coming from a place of it's no judgment. It's not about what I think of that. It's about what it feels like for you what's you know what's right for you and I think as well it takes into consideration the fact that we're part of something bigger we've already talked about all these other aspects of life and being you know you've mentioned the sea and you've mentioned your dad and I've mentioned my mum and I've mentioned friends when I was a teenager in the woods you know there's all of these extra things we don't exist on our own it's around kind of reflecting on that we're part of something Something that's much sort of richer. Um, and if we just focus on ourselves and our inner world without recognizing that, you know, that there's this kind of bigger space that we exist in, then I think we can be quite limited. I think it can be really rich because there's this whole sort of world inside all of us, too. And that's absolutely up for exploration. But we can also take it out externally, too. And if we're outside in nature, we're, we're actually living that out. You know, we're walking in the woods and we're at the same time as talking and focusing on what's going on inside we're thinking about not slipping over in the mud or we're thinking about just heard that bird i know what that bird is or oh i wonder what that plant is or kind of seeing a mole scurrying across or watching the ants and being distracted by other things it feels a little bit more representative of wider life so this kind of it's just it's there and it's lovely to bring it in and it feels important to me to recognize that sort of role and to
0: yes I mean it's absolutely fascinating and when you were talking about the conditions in which you grew up and and how that can be a basis for a conversation and and talking about how how you began your life or your childhood my brain was already firing off in all different kind of ways because that for me, that feels like um, quite an interesting and safe way, almost, to start a conversation about something which is, is much bigger and heavier if you try to anchor it in people and behaviours to start off with. But mm-hmm. thinking about that kind of natural and how we've evolved and grown, that, that really makes my brain kind of fire off in all different directions. Is there something that's quite safe about this practice in terms of if somebody is perhaps finding it hard to articulate themselves
1: oh that's a big question i think yes and no mm. <laughs> i think when we take work particularly when we're taking work outdoors and when we're thinking in this sort of vast way and we're going outside it both brings up more unpredictability because right. we're not controlling the space I don't know whether I would say that that's more or less safe. I think it brings in a different aspect to it. I think it brings huge opportunity because we're take you know we're kind of opening that. Literally, we're t- you know particularly when we're working outside, we're we're taking it out of the confines of a room, out into sort of you know into the wider world. So mm-hmm. That opens it up, and I think for some people, yes, that feels a lot safer. People feel really held in nature, and yes i think if we're if we're kind of accepting that okay rather than taking it as an approach that this is what's wrong with you this is what needs to be fixed if we're approaching it as okay this is how you've grown because this is what's happened to you this is what's there this is what's growing where are you growing now or where would you like to be growing perhaps there is a feeling of safety for some people in that i think some people probably feel safer approaching it from that sort of perspective than they would from you know kind of in a room you know both physically and metaphorically where we're thinking about it very much as this sort of internal let's try and fix a problem but i think there's more risk as well because you're taking away certainty you're you're sort of opening it up and you're saying maybe this is here what if we go down here what you know how has this affected you okay maybe this is how maybe you know maybe we can go here which opens up possibility but can feel scarier so i think it is safe because it's really important to to work safely as a counselor and to hold and contain that space even when you're outside but there's always an element of it i think in therapy whether you're working indoors you know kind of in in any sort of approach that can feel unsafe at times because you're you know you're expanding that part of yourself you're taking a risk to to challenge the things perhaps you thought were definite before and that feels scary
0: what you've just said really shines a light on the fact that everybody is different and it's important to find a way of working that works for you. And not all approaches will be the right fit for everyone. And it's about working with your counsellor. It's about working together to work out what, what is the best fit and whether mm-hmm. you are the right fit together for that. But I mean, I, I just think it sounds fascinating and can we just go back to the pandemic for a moment in terms of the importance of nature within that time for your practice because obviously we were locked down we were we were contained and how did you work around that or how did you find that became more important during that time if it did?
1: Absolutely and kind of what a yeah what a really great metaphor as well on a bigger scale you know and and not a metaphor as well about being kind of locked down and you know really restricted and that helped people I think sometimes dig dig deeper and kind of connect in different ways which of course then kind of reflects in you know in in counseling practice because what people are going through outside of the counseling room then comes in into sort of the the counseling sessions too so I was offering outdoor and and walking therapy before the pandemic it was something that you know kind of I knew when I very first set up private practice this is you know this is the right fit for me this is where I want to be but I really noticed that more people were drawn to it once the pandemic sort of hit and and we were limited because people couldn't go and see their therapist inside so easily not everybody either had access to online therapy or wanted that not safe for everybody um not everybody has a private space at home where they can kind of speak from yeah I think it made counselling more accessible to people and also it was a space to actually go and legitimately go and meet with another person in person in a way that was safe and allowed and again we kind of come back to that sort of rules and restriction side of things too that you know there's this kind of flexibility in nature. I would say the pandemic has been as important in my practice as nature has been for the pandemic you know it's kind of there, there's that interrelatedness again there as well it's allowed people and enabled people to sort of get outside and it's also really helped me to think about my relatedness with nature and how nature informs my therapy because a lot of therapists have been um offering walk and talk therapy and taking their practice outdoors so there's this kind of again there's this richer diversity of people offering things and and it, it really encourage me to think about what that means to me too um, and what I can offer to people within that space. I think I've connected more to, as I think I was saying at the beginning, to the seasons and to the weather and things because outside at a regular time each week with somebody you notice everything changing around you that you perhaps wouldn't when you're in a room.
0: That's so interesting. Of course you know the, there is that the changing of the seasons has has felt a lot more pronounced, actually, over this period. I think especially as lockdowns have come and gone, you know, in 2020, there was a moment where we were able to come out during the summer. And then there was that kind of around Christmas time when lockdown happened again, it felt very much like almost going into hibernation. You know, it was that feeling of of really having to kind of get entrenched in our homes. and And now we're seeing kind of spring coming along, and you know fingers crossed everything crossed that we're starting to be able to to come out a little bit and uh, it's at a time when we're seeing you know amazing blossoms and Mm -hmm. depending on where you live a lot of rain but also that means (laughs) a lot of green you know I'm seeing a lot of greenness around me in the parks and I definitely echo that I've really noticed the seasons much more I don't think I would have before on that kind of you know, I used to commute to work. You know, I was much more focused on the day to day, whereas I think it's given us this pause. And please don't get me wrong. The pandemic has been horrendous and a lot of people have really suffered. In terms of nature, I think it has given us the opportunity to slow down a little bit. Not that that outweighs what's happened, but it's just an observation, I guess. Going back to your practice, who could this approach work for? And again, another great question um, and one I
1: don't know whether I can give a, a sort of a concise answer to. I mean, I think as we've already sort of picked up on that different people have different relationships with nature. So there's no one, there's no sort of one group of people that or, you know, one issue that, you know, that sort of this approach um, works with at all. It's, it's very individual and quite often it's a finding your way and figuring out what works. I certainly think it doesn't discriminate in terms of the approach. I think we've got real issues with accessibility and people feeling, some people feeling that they belong in nature. I think it's quite a a white middle class space in terms of people feeling that they belong and that this is somewhere and something for me which it shouldn't be, nature, you know, is there, is everybody's, we're all part of it. But I think it would be naive to think that, oh, everybody can access nature because there's all sorts of cultural and experiential barriers that are there, as well as physical accessibility and not having the time in the day, perhaps for some people. And, you know, there's all sorts of things that, are, that, that limit people's um, either perceived or, or sort of actual access to to those spaces. But one of the beautiful things in terms of the approach and the fact that it it can be open to everybody is that we move in in the space in the way that works for you. So if you you know kind of struggle with walking for long distances, all right, we'll find a route that that feels more comfortable, or we'll sit for a bit or We'll, you know, we can kind of interchange with working indoors or on the phone or sitting or walking and walk faster. Or, you know, if you don't walk, if you, you know, use a um, a wheelchair or you. Uh, have all different kind of ways of, of being mobile we can work with that nature finds a way and so we can find a way too so it can be open to anybody um, I've been working at in, you know outside of my work in my private practice I work with an organization um, alongside people with learning of and autism and we've been discussing and exploring how working outdoors can you know counseling can can work for for people who experience that and there's different experiences, different concerns that people might have about, you know, sort of social situations or access or needing a toilet or wanting to know the route first. But it really can, if you're working in a kind of an, a curious approach of what is going to work, it can work for anybody, I, I really believe. You know, it might appeal to people for whom the idea of sitting face to face in a room with somebody just sounds horrendous (laughs) and for some people the idea of having to make contact and talk about your feelings in a small room is just going to put you off going and getting counselling so outdoor therapy in particular can really work I think you know you're walking side by side it's quite equalising so if you Want to go into a therapeutic relationship where your counselor or your therapist is very much you know is literally physically alongside you as well as kind of that that power is very shared you know outdoor therapy even outdoor therapy indoors where you're using that sort of approach can be great i think as well where we sort of talked about it can be a place to go when you're feeling restricted or limited inside maybe if you're feeling stuck in your life you're not sure where to go having an outdoor therapy session or an indoor therapy session where we're approaching it in this way can be, really great because you're you're actually moving it's considering things as a journey or if you want a different perspective you know if you're kind of feeling like i just need a different perspective i feel really limited maybe as well and i talked a little bit i've got particular passion for death and dying um, and life transitions which sounds quite odd to some people but you know death and dying is a really important and inevitable part of life and we see it everywhere in this accepting sometimes you know kind of unforgiving way in nature it's not all beautiful flowers and sunshine out there in nature there's this sort of decay and violence as well but it's all part of life it's all part of that ecosystem and I think so sometimes if we're navigating transitions in life whether that be bereavement or terminal illness or separation of a relationship or wanting to change job or moving house or identity I think working with this sort of nature inspired approach and these sort of life cycles can be really really beneficial so all of those sorts of things I think could work could work really well.
0: That's a wonderful explanation of of how it can work and I'm particularly interested in what you said about nature and death because I think one of the things that we see through the counselling directories obviously people searching for support with bereavement Mm. and I noticed that you're involved with a death cafe as well and you said that you had a particular interest in in talking around death and dying Mm. do you think it's something we struggle with as a society and can you tell me a bit about what the death cafe is
1: Yes, I think it is something we struggle with as a society. First concise answer you've got out of me. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, it's one of life's greatest kind of paradoxes and dilemmas that we, you know, there's this kind of internal drive to survive and to live and to grow. And yet we know we're going to die. It's like this fundamental paradox, you know, in the same way that you were talking about the pandemic, that there's been this horrendous suffering and pain and loss there's also been this growth and opportunity as well you know as both can exist and i think with with death and dying that that happens death cafes are are informal spaces they're they're gatherings to get together to talk about death and dying with people who are going to die which is every single one of us you know they're they're open to anybody you don't have to have a terminal illness you don't have to have been bereaved to come along you can come anybody can come along and yeah I've been um co-facilitating those with with a friend of mine um for the last year and a half um so we've had wonderful experiences we've been using um uh, uh, initially kind of a cabin in a community garden abbey physic community garden in faversham um where we are kind of nestled as you know so popular that we had so many people coming along that we're kind of shoulder to shoulder in this little cabin 17 of us around this table two months before the pandemic hit and then realized oh we can't do this anymore and, and took that took those online they happen all over the world as well so Ooh. again this kind of this experience where we're all kind of huddled in really connecting passing tea and Kate to each other talking about this really personal sort of issue of of death and dying we initially thought taking this online we're going to lose all of this connection how is this going to work and then we realized got people joining us from Portugal from all over America from yeah all different places in the world coming together to share and talk about this common human mortal experience of death and dying and it was hugely and you know deeply connective still and they're often really comforting places so we get feedback from people and people go away feeling liberated and comforted and doesn't necessarily make people feel happy but actually it often does you know we're talking about something that we often fear talking about Because we fear feeling upset and not in control. And that's really understandable. There's some really big, intense feelings that can go with that. But I think talking about death and dying can really help ease some of the anxiety around it and stop it from hurting, you know, emotionally. But it can help us feel less scared to talk about it. I I love love being part of the death cafes, and it very much feeds into my therapeutic work too. You know, those ideas of kind of all these little life cycles within our life too, because it's not just. Death as in the death of a person or a loved one or ourselves. It's kind of grief for for loss of lots of things in our lives as well. And the cycle is often quite similar.
0: Again, completely fascinating. It's the ultimate gift to be able to have those conversations, those very human conversations. So just backtracking a little bit. One of the things (laughs) that we talked about when we were talking about who your approach could work for. So in terms of nature as a co-therapist and everything you've talked about so far, One of the things you talked about was that a lot of people feeling they belong in nature can be white middle class people. And actually, we appreciate that not everyone has funds for therapy. And that is definitely something that comes with privilege is being able to to pay for therapy if someone doesn't have that how can they work with nature themselves or is is the ways they can access this kind of support still
1: absolutely and you know I'm really pleased that we're kind of acknowledging and you know and and kind of recognizing that that there is a privilege that there shouldn't be (laughs) but that there is it hides it away if we pretend that nature's there for everybody um because yeah it's not that easy for everybody so how can people sort of work with nature themselves well to start with nature is there it's around all of us even if we live in a in a tower block in in a city nature's there the sky is there outside the window or perhaps you've got a spider living under your cupboard or you know, you've got a bunch of flowers, or I don't know, broccoli that's starting to, you know, to flower in your fridge. You know, there's all, there's other than human nature everywhere, and of course, humans are nature too. You know, we can kind of look at those natural cycles within ourselves. So, we don't have to be able to get out to the woods or mountains or the beach to be able to be with nature. You know, it it is literally, it's it's everywhere. So I suppose in that way, you know, we all have access to nature because it's all around us. You know, it's recently been um, Mental Health Awareness Week with the theme being nature. And I've just seen so many people so generously sharing lots of ideas for connecting with nature for using that sort of in a way that might be therapeutic i think there's a real difference between therapy and something that might be therapeutic yes um and i have mixed feelings about it because i love to think that we shouldn't need therapists because i'd love to live in this world where you know it's a real utopia in my head where we grow and all of the conditions are there for us to grow and accept ourselves and thrive without judgment without being told we should do this we shouldn't do that you know without oppression or exploitation you know we don't live in that world there's a lot of sort of human human inflicted suffering on ourselves and each other although I love to think that nature can be sort of a cure in itself and just connecting with nature can do that I think I think perhaps you know we're not quite there yet, that there is this disentangling of human issues that a lot of us still sort of need to do too. And yet that doesn't mean that sort of connecting with nature and being with nature can't be beneficial. Again, it depends on what you need as to how you might do that. Do you need to feel connected? Do you feel really disconnected? In which case you might want to be thinking about connecting with nature so you might want to really try and be really present at the clouds watch the clouds changing just try and notice what is rather than what you think is (laughs) what you think it looks like so one way that you might do that is you know drawing or creativity you can you know you can just look you can just listen you can just smell you can hear but you might want to kind of draw and observe as well doesn't need to look perfect but drawing helps can help you notice sometimes if you're drawing what you actually see not what you think you see if you're feeling trapped maybe just going and moving going for a walk take yourself out for a walk i think quite often what's what is outside is inside so we've talked about the conditions that we grow up in can really influence how we feel inside and sort of almost become a, a mental framework for how we navigate life so if you then create more space outside if you're feeling trapped in your head or feeling like you you know you're stuck actually just getting out and moving can open up that space so I think there's you know all these things that don't you know certainly don't cost money and perhaps you know you have access anywhere you know if you haven't got access to a green space go for a walk down your street you know where there are there daisies pushing up through the cracks in the pavement yes. or you know there's so much to be seen see what you can see and if it doesn't feel good if it's not working try something else
0: I love that that you said about daisies pushing up through the cracks because I think you can quite often see those things when you disconnect from social media or having earbuds in I do it a lot I walk around with headphones in listening And actually the other day I took them out and there was amazing birdsong, you know, as I was walking along and I I would have missed that because I was trying to catch up with something else. And one of the other things, if it's safe and you feel safe and you have the ability to do so, obviously, if you have children or people that you're looking after, it might be difficult to do this. But also going out at an earlier time before the world wakes up, if this is something you're, you're able to do, can sometimes give you a really different view of the place you live in. You know, you see foxes and just a, a kind of calm that you wouldn't see at any other time. If you could just reach it in that moment before the world wakes up, it's that's one of the most beautiful things I think we can access again if it's safe and you're able to.
1: Yeah, what magical, magical time of day that you know, as things are just waking up or as things are going to sleep.
0: Absolutely. This has been a wonderful conversation and I could talk to you for absolutely hours. So I would love it if you'd be open to coming back another time to have those conversations we, we spoke about. But in the meantime, can you share your details for anyone who would love to chat with you further or find out a bit about the work that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to and um, would love to come back an, another time too. So my website is ferncounseling.space um so you can find me on there i've got a blog um there's actually some some nature connective exercises on there on the blog too so sort of have a route around see what you can find on there details about the death cafe details about upcoming workshops and therapy too um, i'm also really active um intermittently on facebook and instagram as well at fern counselling so you can get a feel for sort of how i work and get in touch that way too of course on counselling directory
0: All of Louise's links will be on there as well, but do check out her website. Thank you so much for today. I've loved this conversation. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have, How It Helps. Don't forget to download the free Hapful app and we'd really love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to our podcast too. Before you go, I wanted to let you know that on the Hapful app, we have information about where you can find mental health support. If you need immediate help, Samaritans are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116123, or you can email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Lucy Donahue for Happiful. I hope you'll listen again soon.